Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Tonight we're going to talk about enduring temptation. Enduring temptation. And I want us to look at what the Bible says about temptation, um, what it is, where it comes from, what it does, and then how we fight it. That's sort of the roadmap of what we're going to be talking about tonight. What it is, um, where it comes from, what it does, and how to fight it. Um, now, before we jump in, just by show of hands, has anyone ever been tempted before? Has been tempted to do something that you shouldn't have done? Okay, hold on. Put your hands back up. Look around just for a second. Okay. Uh, everyone in the room <clears throat> has their hand up. Um, <clears throat> the reason I, I asked you to do that is because I just want us to see like we're all in the same boat. Right, like this message, it's not like I'm speaking to just a few people that's like, oh, like this, the, oh man, they're so bad, they, they get tempted. Um, no, all of us, by our own admission, it says, yeah, I've been tempted. Um, sorry, follow-up question. Um, has anyone ever been tempted to do something they shouldn't do and have done it anyways? Tempted to do something you shouldn't do? Okay, just quickly, look around. All right? We're all in the same boat. Okay, all of us have been tempted to do things we shouldn't do and have done it anyways. And so I think because it's relevant for all of us, what I'm hoping to do is like we're going to kind of get cast out judgment, um, cast out shame, cast out guilt from past failures and just go, okay, we're all in this same boat. How do we grow together? Are you with me? I think it's important that we sort of come into this with a framework because when we talk about something like temptation, it can kind of be like all of us are just feeling guilt and shame like I'm the only one. And we've all admitted, we've all said, no, no, you're not the only one. We're all in this together. And so since this is something we've all dealt with, we can all go into this the same way. And we're looking to do what honors God and no one is alone in this. Now, temptation, what is it? Temptation is defined as an enticement to sin, an enticement or desire to sin. And then it's arising from our desires within or from outward circumstances. What's temptation? Well, it's enticement to sin. It's it's enticement. It's a desire to do what disobeys God or dishonors God. It's ultimately harmful to us, harmful to others, harmful to God's creation. It is not what God intended. And it's a desire for us that moves us away from God's plan and into our own. And that desire stems from either something inwardly or some outward circumstance or draw. Because we need to understand that God's desire is for human flourishing and human fruitfulness. Okay, God's plan from the very beginning is for human flourishing and for human fruitfulness. That's why in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, he creates man and woman, and the command to them is be fruitful and multiply, have descendants, and two, take the raw materials of earth and make them beautiful for the glory of God and for the benefit of humanity. Okay, that's the command from the very beginning. Be fruitful. God cares about human fruitfulness. And he cares about human flourishing. Take the raw materials of earth. Harvest them. Bring them together for God's glory and for mankind's benefit. That is the reason we exist. 
right? Is to be in relationship with God and then to take what God has given us for his glory, for humankind's benefit, and to be fruitful. And this is at the core, the heart of God. You could also say that God's desire is for life and life to the full. In fact, that is exactly what Jesus says. The enemy has come to steal, kill, kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might find life and life to the full. So God's design, God's desire from the very beginning is for mankind's flourishing and fruitfulness. It's to have life and life to the full. Sin has the opposite desire. Sin causes human failure and fractures our relationship with God and others. Where God designs for human flourishing and fruitfulness, sin has a desire to fracture and to cause us to feel, experience failure. What God desires for good, sin destroys and creates shame. And temptation, whenever we experience temptation, it comes in and tells you lies about God. It tells you lies about yourself. And it tells you lies about what the result will be if you give in to sin. Again, go back to the, the garden. God promises. God has a design for human fruitfulness and flourishing. He says you can eat of every tree in the garden except for one. If you eat of this, you're going to die. And then the serpent comes along. And he lies to the woman. He says, did God say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? She says, no, we can eat of everyone but this one. And he says, the reason he tells you that is because if you eat of that, you're actually going to become like God and you will not die. So what does he do? He tells lies about God. He's a liar. What he told you isn't true. Lies about yourself. You're going to become like God and lies about the result. You're going to live. What happened? Well, <laughs> the, the serpent was lying. God was telling the truth. Now, James in this text warns us of the source of temptation, the process of temptation, then ultimately how and why we resist. The first thing I want to talk about is the source of temptation. Look again at verse 13. It says this, Let no one say when they are tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Um, the word temptation is often translated as trials, and other times it's translated as temptation. In fact, it's the same Greek word. But sometimes, depending upon context, um, depending on source, and depending on goal, I'm going to say that again, sometimes beginning, or because of context, what, what is the author saying? Or dependent upon source, where is this thing coming from? And then goal, what is this intending to do? It will be translated as trial or temptation. Are you with me? So the word here is, tempt is used as temptation. Other times it's trial. The difference between trial and temptation, though, is huge. Mainly, primarily in its source and in its results. Because, listen... God tests, he doesn't tempt. Okay, God tests, he doesn't tempt. God will allow the testing of our faith in order to produce stronger relationship with him. Listen to what James says earlier in the same chapter, in chapter 2, or in verse 2. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's the same word, but translated different because of the source and because of the, the result. You hearing me? 
Okay, so count it all joy, that's an interesting phrase, when you fall into various trials. Why? Why would we count it joy when there's trials, when there's tests, when there's difficulty, when there's challenges? Why shouldn't we just complain? Why shouldn't we just get frustrated? Why shouldn't we just blame God? Why shouldn't we just give up because we're experiencing opposition? Why should we count it all joy? Well, here's why. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patient, patience have its perfect work. Listen, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now already we can see the contrast between temptation and trials. He says trials doesn't, or excuse me, trials comes from God or tests come from God. And it produces patience, produces perfection so that you lack nothing. On the other hand, we've got temptation doesn't come from God, it produces uh, destruction, or it gives birth to sin, which leads to death and destruction, right? So we've got these two sort of uh, uh, contrasting sources and results. Trials produce patience so that you can be perfect and complete. God will never tempt you so that you fail. He will test you so that your capacity increases, Okay, the, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that, that there's no temptation that has overtaken you except for that which is common to man. In other words, everybody's tempted. And it says, and with every temptation, there's always a way to escape. So in other words, God doesn't, God doesn't allow things into your life that are beyond your ability to trust him and to move through it. Are you hearing me? There, there's nothing in your life. He says, there's always a way to escape. And God doesn't allow anything that is beyond your capacity to trust him and move through it. And the source of temptation is not God. Okay, I want you to write that down. The source of temptation is not God. But, so what is the source of temptation? The source of our temptation is, number one, it's Satan. The source of our temptation is Satan. There is a very real enemy of the Christian who wants to destroy your life. I mean, I know that's not like a super uplifting Thursday night message. Um, but there is a very real enemy to the Christian who hates your guts and he wants to destroy your life. In fact, the Apostle Peter tells it like this. He says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan wants to devour us. God wants to grow us. And what's the way that Satan attempts to devour us? Well, he tempts us to get us to sin because that sin produces death and destruction. So the source of temptation is Satan. Secondly, the source of our temptation is the world around us. Um, the algorithm is designed to lead you astray. The algorithm is designed to lead you astray. A, a lot of Christians will blame the devil for anything and everything that goes wrong in their life. Right? I'm having a hard time. It's the devil. He's got his pitchfork. He's got his little curly red tail. And he's out to get me. It's the devil's fault. It's always the devil's fault. Uh, the problem is um, the devil, although real and a real threat, he's limited. He's limited in power. He's not um, omniscient. He's not omnipresent. And he's not all-powerful. The devil is limited in power. He's limited in location. He can't be everywhere all the time. That's God, not Satan. Right? So, so Satan can't be messing with you. 
and be messing with me. Right? Because he's limited. And I feel like, I mean, no offense to you or me, but I feel like the devil probably has bigger fish to fry. Right? So he's limited. So we shouldn't give all of the credit to Satan. But what he has done is he's influenced the course of the world. In fact, um, the Bible would say in Ephesians that he's the prince of the power of the air. And there's a course of this world. In other words, Satan doesn't have to mess with you directly because the world does his job for him. Basically, he set something in motion. Right? He has influenced the course of this world. And now every time you go on Instagram or every time you drive by a billboard or every time you get an advertisement or every time you whatever or every, even going to school and listening to, to things from your professor or from your teacher, the, the course of this world has been influenced by Satan. And as a result of that, he can just sit back and just go like, don't, don't mess each other up. Right? Because the algorithm is designed to destroy you. And the primary objective of the world is simply, I think, to distract us. If we can get caught up in our jobs and our schedules and our relationships and social media and all of the things we've got going on, then we won't pursue the things of God. And so the temptation by the world, um, where Satan absolutely hates you and wants to kill you and destroy you, um, remember that? If you hear nothing else, Satan hates your guts. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. All right? Um, where the world doesn't care so much to do that. The world just would rather distract you. The world would rather just get you so fixated on, like, like how many followers you have or what school you're going to or how much money you make or how many friends you have or who invited you to that event or who didn't and, and just completely to distract you from what God wants to do in your life. Now, the third source of our temptation is our own desires. The Bible would call this the flesh and then the world and then the devil, which are the three primary enemies of the Christian, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And it's usually in that order. Flesh being closest to us, the world in which we live, and the devil sort of having his hand in all of it. The algorithm is designed to lead you astray. And it does so by feeding you what your own heart wants. That's why after engaging in just a few posts, our weaknesses are all over the screen. Right? TikTok can discover your own evil desires faster than you can. Right? Because it just takes a few interactions and all of a sudden they're like, I got you pegged. I know your own desires. I know what you're looking for. I know what your heart's after. I know what you want. And all of a sudden, the whole thing, the whole scheme is targeted at your own evil desires, feeding on those desires that are already in you. And it isn't creating those desires. TikTok isn't creating evil desires. It's revealing them. Right? It's going, that's why you just swipe, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there it is. We figured it out. Oh, you're sad. You're depressed. Let me show you all these people whose lives are better than yours. Oh, you struggle with lust. Let me show you every single pornographic image you can find online. Right? Whatever it is, in just a few clicks and a few pauses, it's got you pegged, and then now it's feeding your evil desires. Which leads us to the second point. The first point was the source. It's not God. It is Satan. It is the world. It is our flesh. Which leads us to the second point, which is the process of temptation. How does it work? What is it trying to do? 
Look at verse 14. It says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away. Another translation says lured away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Temptation begins with a desire. The desire is from within or from our outward circumstances. Now, the Bible makes it clear that we are all born in sin, that we inherit it from our father, Adam, that we are born in sin and our natural inclination is towards sin, right? That's why you don't have to teach a child to be disobedient, right? You don't have to say, okay, come here, buddy. So this is how you lie to your parents, right? When you do something you don't want them to know about, you just tell them you didn't do it. You got it? Got it. All right. Now just go be two. I know kids, naturally, you hear them, one of the, oftentimes the first words, no. Nope, not going to do that. Nope, don't want that. Nope, live it. Right? You don't have to teach a child to be disobedient. Why? Because it's in them. It's in their DNA. That's why you have to teach a kid to say, please and thank you. Say you're sorry. Say yes, ma'am. Right? You have to teach them. Why? Because it's not in our DNA. We're born in sin. We have a natural disposition towards sin because we inherited it. That's who we are. It all comes from evil desires. And these evil desires, listen to me, these evil desires are based upon deception that leads to disobedience. These evil desires are based upon deception, a lie that then leads to disobedience or sin. There is a lie that is dominating our world today that says all of your natural desires are good, should be explored, and allow you to be yourself. That's one of the, the, the sort of primary messages of our world today. It's to say that if it's in you, then it's good and should be acted upon. Right? If it's in you, it's good. Why? Because it's you. And no one can tell you otherwise. It's your life. It's who you are. It's good. And because it's in you, because it's good, you should act upon it. You shouldn't listen to other people telling you not to behave that way or not follow that or that behavior or that lifestyle or that thought is harmful. And the Bible teaches the exact opposite. Right? The world says, if it's in you, it's good. The Bible says, if it's in you, it's sin. Right? If it's of you, it's sin. The Bible says that it stems from evil desire rooted in deception that leads to disobedience and ultimately death. That's why be yourself or follow your heart is the worst advice anyone could give. Jeremiah would say the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked and it's impossible to figure out. But sure, follow that. Sure, follow your own emotions and feelings. Sure, follow whatever is inside you and just explore that and you'll be happy at the end of it. The process of temptation is to feed into your natural desires, promise things it cannot give that then leads you to disobedience and destruction. Listen, I'm going to say it again. The process of temptation is to feed into your natural desires. Every one of us is different. right? All of us have natural inclinations that are different. Feed into your desires, promise things that cannot give, that leads you to disobedience and destruction. Because sin never ends where it starts. It sells one thing and then gives you another. 
It sells satisfaction, lasting joy, peace, love, and happiness, but it can't deliver those things because it doesn't own any of those things. Those promises belong to God and God alone. And so when sin tells you, this is going to bring you joy, no, it doesn't, that's God's. When sin says, this is going to bring you peace, no, it doesn't, that's God's. And it says, this is going to bring you purpose, no, it doesn't, that belongs to God. Are you hearing me? And so sin, it's rooted in our desires, that it, it, it comes from deception, lies, that then ultimately lead to destruction. Temptation starts with desires from within or from our circumstances around that promise us things based upon lies and then leads us to destruction. It ruins our call. It steers, steals our joy. It will compromise our relationship with Jesus. The difficult thing with temptation is in the beginning, it never looks like it will destroy you. Right? It's just one click. It's just one text. It's just one song. It's, I, it's just one thought. Right? It begins small, but it grows. Um, there's a famous story of a man in Harlem that brought a baby tiger home to his apartment and raised it. Um, and... To his credit, like, baby tar uh, tigers are pretty cute. I've got some photos of, of baby tigers. There's one more. Show, show another one. Like, they're, I mean, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, can we keep it? And at first, when, when he brought this, this, this little guy home, <laughs> at first it was cute, right? It drank milk. It was cute, but pretty soon, it was eating over 20 pounds of chicken thighs a day. In, 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 just, in just two years, it went from this little cute baby tiger to over 450 pounds. Eventually, the tiger attacked and bit the owner in the neck and arm. Here, we got a photo. This is from the, the news article of when the the New York Police Department came and found this massive 400-pound tiger in the apartment. Um, and it doesn't look too excited to see this police officer, does it? But at first, like, at first you're like, oh, it knows me. It loves me. It's mine. It's cute. I can have it. I can keep it. Pretty soon, you feed that tiger. And it grows, and it goes from milk and just wanting a little bit to all of a sudden to needing, I need chicken, and now I need pounds and pounds and pounds, and pretty soon that chicken's not enough. And my owner, he's looking pretty tasty. And sin is the same way. And the problem with that story and the scary thing about that story is that it's inevitable. Right? It's inevitable. That tiger is going to grow. That's what happens. And yet so often when it comes to temptation and sin, we think it's not going to grow. I can keep it here. I can keep it a little baby tiger forever. It's never going to hurt me. It's never going to grow up. It's, it's, it's inevitable. Are you hearing me? It's inevitable. You feed that thing, and it grows. So the process of temptation, it's built upon deception, and it always leads to destruction. So how do we fight it? Point number three, the fight against temptation. I want to give us three things that will hopefully help us resist temptation. Now, again, real quick, show of hands, who's been tempted to do something wrong and done it anyways? Real quick, show up your hands. Who's been tempted to do it wrong? Okay, so we're all in the same boat. Remember that. 
This is, we're, we're doing this together. We're walking with God. We're trying to figure this out. We want to we pursue life, not death, right? We, we want to find God's purpose and calling and experience his, uh, his peace in our life. We don't want to feed the tiger that ultimately leads in our destruction. Okay, how do we do it? Number, uh, three ways. Number one, we have to endure, right? Verse 12, it says, blessed is the person who endures temptation, we are often, when tempted, we're quick to give in to temptation, right? We're like, we, we have those intrusive thoughts, and sometimes it's just like, yeah, I'm going to just do that. Sometimes there's no fight at all, right? Sometimes those intrusive thoughts show up, and we don't even, like, they, like they don't even have to put in a, a, a key to unlock the door. It's just wide open. They're just like, come on in. Yep, you, you own the place. Right, but, but what we need to learn to do is when it comes to things like temptation, especially when we find out, when we recognize our own natural desires that lead us astray, ultimately to sin and to death. Um, and death in a lot of ways, right? Like death, when we're talking about death, we don't just mean physical death. Right, when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden, the, 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 God said, if you eat of this, you will surely die. Well, they ate of it. They didn't die immediately. But spiritually, they died immediately. Right, separated with God, no longer in right relationship with him, and then ultimately cast out of the garden where they would die. And the same is true with us. It says it leads to death. You're like, well, I've been sitting for a long time, and I'm not dead yet. I must be good. No, no, no. You see, it leads to death to calling, death to peace, death to opportunity, death to joy. Right? You see, it's, it's kind of slow. And then ultimately, because of sin, if we give over to it, right, we, it leads to destruction. So we have to learn to endure it, meaning we have to fight against it. I love this word endure. It's really interesting because it kind of, it means two things. One, it means to remain, right? Like part of endurance is to just stay where you are. It, it has no forward progression, but it also has no backward regression. We're saying, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. It makes me think of a hurricane, right? Like a hurricane, we don't, we don't fight against the hurricane, right? When it comes, we just board up our houses, and we just remain, right? We're just like, all right, Lord, even if the power goes out, like, we're here. We're just going to hunker down. I love that word. It's a hurricane word. Hunker down. We're just going to stay. That's the idea. In endurance means, okay, we're just going to hunker down. I'm going to stay. Even when the, when the storm and the life and the difficulty comes against me, I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay. But it's also an interesting word because it doesn't just mean to stay. It actually means to move forward, right? It means to actually, like, go against so here comes attack and, and temptation, and it means to actively go in the right way. Right? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. That doesn't just like get through it, but actually can grow and overcome. That's the idea. Blessed is the person who endures temptation. Listen, you may be one decision or a few minutes away from getting out of the hot zone of temptation. You know the hot zone? Right, the hot zone of temptation is all of a sudden like that intrusive thought is all you can think about. Send that text, send that text, send that text, send that text. Right, go to that party, go to that party, go to that site, go to that site. Right, it's, it's, that, it's a hot zone. The devil lives in the hot zone. That's what he wants from you. You might be one decision, one minute away from getting out of that. Fight. Don't give up. Don't give in. Endure temptation. Secondly, how do we fight? Well, it's through identity. 
What do I mean by that? Sometimes after we fall into temptation, there are lies that tells us that that is now who we are. We soon identify ourselves as our sin and as our temptations. This is who I am now because I've given in or I've given over. We must recognize who we are in Jesus and fight from our identity. We are not our weakness. We are set free and strong in Jesus. There's an interesting book called Atomic Habits. I listened to the audio book of it uh, like a couple years ago. But one of the things it talks about with forming habits or breaking habits, it it talks about the idea of of identity-based habit building. So basically it's like if you're not a runner and you want to start running, you start saying, I am a runner. If, like, you, you have a problem, like, whether it's, like, uh, substance abuse, and rather than saying, like, I'm an alcoholic or I don't do that anymore, you, you, or, like, oh, I, I'm not now or whatever, I'm trying to quit, you say, I'm not an alcoholic. It's a sort of identity-based habit building. Does that make sense? And that's kind of the idea. Sometimes our struggles to say, like, this is who you are, this is because you've gone into this, and the idea is, like, no, I'm not. I'm a child of God. No, I'm not. I'm free in Christ. That's not who I am. And it's identity-based temptation fighting. Okay, number three. Is this making sense? Is it helpful? Endure. Don't give in. Like, keep fighting. Like, just recognize you, you might be out of it. You, and the thing about temptation, here's, here's the interesting thing, is the more you give in, the stronger it gets. Okay, so we think that, especially when we're in that hot zone, like I mentioned, we think if I give in, then I'll get out of the hot zone. If I just give into this, then it won't have as much sway over me any longer. But the thing about temptation is if you starve it, it dies. So when it seems strong, it's the strongest when you're feeding it. But as soon as you say, okay, I'm not going to feed it anymore, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. So endure. Secondly, fight from your identity. Who are you? You're a child of God. And then number three, I wrote down outcome. Listen again to verse 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. We often think that God is keeping us from good things. If we give in to our temptation, then we'll get what we want because it's a desire within me. I want this. But it's a lie. This verse tells us that God has all the good things. Everything good and perfect comes from God. So if God, if, if everything good and perfect comes from God, God is this place we go to to get everything that's good and perfect. Our sin is not the place we go to to get what's good and perfect. And when we're tempted to do something wrong, we need to remind ourselves that what we actually want is found in God. Does that make sense? What we actually want, what your soul longs for. Because sometimes like what what you're struggling with on the surface is actually a revealer of what's going on deep down. So sometimes we're looking for, maybe we're looking for approval from other people, and that's why we're constantly sending texts or we're constantly doing this. And what we're actually aching for is communion, relationship with God. Like it's, it's a, it speaks of an ache that's within us. And oftentimes we get fixated on how they reveal themselves. 
And when we're tempted to do something wrong, we need to remind ourselves that what we actually want, the outcome, the results that we're looking for, is found in God. It's not found in those other things. Okay, I'm going to close. Worship team, you can come back up here. I just want to close with, um, I think this is, like, it can be a little heavy. I'm sorry if it's, like, a little heavy and you're like, oh, my gosh, we just started summer and this is how we're going. Um, But I do think it's important that we learn how to fight temptation. Because especially, like, one of the nice things about school, I know, like, we're like, ugh, school. There's nothing nice about school. One of the nice things about school is schedule. And schedule, rhythm, routine is actually really good for us. Like, having a place to be and something to do (laughs) and something to think about is actually really, like, beneficial for, like, all of humans. Like, we need to do something. Can't just be, like, a free-for-all. And so sometimes, like, when, when, when we lose our routine and schedule that kind of keeps us in a lane, then all of a sudden we just start swirling all over the place. Like, I remember there would be times where I would, um, like, I would go to a friend's house. Maybe I'd, I'd go on a trip with a friend or something like that. And uh, when, you're, when you're on vacation or away from your parents, you kind of, like, set your own attitude. You, like, make your own decisions. You, like do at least to some extent what you want, go to bed when you want. And I remember there'd be times I'd like come back from stuff like that and my dad would look at me and like from the minute I walked in, he'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, this is not, like just from the attitude, the way I I walked in the house, he's like, you've, nope, this is not how we do this. You cannot behave like that. Like you can't, you're not doing whatever you want. You can't behave however you want. You can't just like, you can't, you cannot talk to me like that. My dad would always be like, I am not your buddy. You can't talk to me like your buddy. Like, you, like, don't call me dude. Don't call me bro. That's not me. Because there'd be times where after hanging out with friends, you'd be like, what's up, dude? Be like, Hold on. Time out. Like, it's father. Oh, yes, sir. No, I'm just kidding. He was a nice guy. Anyways. Um, but there's, there's a tendency when, when we lose rhythm, when we lose routine, that sort of all of our discipline, all of our focus, all of our ability kind of goes with it. And so kind of my warning for us, and, and not warning is like, 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 oh, you're bad, but warning of like be aware, right? As we're going into summer and new season and things like that, you lose a little bit of discipline. A lot of the things that maybe you had a, had a hold of might creep in. And so it's important for us as followers of Jesus, if we said, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, to learn how to fight temptation. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I tell you that giving into yourself and giving into the world around you is a lie that's going to lead in destruction in the sense of, uh, of, of complete disappointment, complete dissatisfaction, and ultimately destruction to your life. The promises of Jesus are, are life and life to the full. In him, there is, he has all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. And it says there's no variation in him. There's no shadow of turning. In other words, it's not like he's one way one day and a different way the next day. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can go to God and say, you are the source of all that is good, all that is hope, all that is peace, all that is joy. And because you have all the good things, I want what you have. I don't want what I have. So we need to learn, okay, I'm going I'm to fight this. Why? Because Because what God has is better than what I could get for myself. But also let me encourage you. I know I gave you a warning. Let me encourage you. Temptation is not sin. 
Temptation isn't sin, right? Jesus was tempted. For 40 days in the, in the desert, he was tempted by Satan. So having desires, right, that's not sin. But notice the, the sort of formula in the text. We'll go back to it. It says, each one is tempted. So tempted, something comes up, right? Then drawn away, lured away, literally like a fish on a hook, right? Like bait on a hook, lured away. And then ultimately enticed. Okay, there's our problem word. Enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. Such a funny picture, right? It's desires having a baby. Oh, it's so cute. What should we call it? It's sin. Oh, sin's going to grow up. Oh, it's going to have a baby. What should we call it? Death. Right, because it's, it, it leads somewhere. It goes somewhere. But what I want you to see is temptation is not a sin. We experience temptation. It's how you respond to it that determines the result. Right? Okay, so you can, you're tempted. You're going to plead the name of Jesus. Jesus, show up in my life. Jesus, I need your help right now. Jesus, I can't do this on my own. God, would you show up? Would you give me strength? I'm in the hot zone. I'm feeling it. Lord, would you show up right now? I need your strength. I need your hope. Right? We're going to plead the name of Jesus. We're going to say, God, I can't do this. Okay, sin sh temptation shows up. It's knocking on our door. It, it, it wants to, it, before it just had easy access. Now it's fumbling. You can hear it rattling the keys, trying to get back in. And you're saying, God, would you protect me? God, would you show up? Would you flood me with your grace and peace and help me know that your good things are better than anything else that this world has to offer? And when, when sin is knocking and fumbling for the keys, we're going to say, not today. I'm trusting Jesus because you have every good and perfect thing. And I don't want any of that. So we got to recognize that when temptation comes, because it will. Probably for some of you tonight, right? You're going to get home, get in your bed, your routine, open TikTok or whatever it is you do. And all of a sudden, the algorithm, there it is. Hey, remember me? What are you going to do? You're going to give in? Or are you going to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to close this app. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I'm going to take a cold shower. I'm going to go to bed. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give in. 